previously on Supple Boys. Wow, Griffin. Today is September 2nd, 2022, and I had a great time recording this new episode today. I can't wait to get this show back on schedule and release new weekly episodes consistently. We should also write our comic book at some point, too. I was thinking... Oh my god, Matthew Rosenberg needs how many podcasts? An email from Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, that's actually really nice. What a lovely email. Brian Stegman wants us to take his garbage out to the curb. We don't live locally, Ryan. Jesus Christ. Will the Supple Boys release more than one episode in 2023? Will they ever reveal details about this fucking comic book we've heard so much about? Will any of it ever be enough for Ryan Stegman? Find out all this and more on this very special episode of Supple Boys. Okay, here's the intro of the show. Um, Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of Supple Boys. I'm one of two Supple Boys, mm-hmm. Griffin Sheridan, uh, with my co-host, creative partner, best friend, Ethan S. Parker, is here, hey, as buddy. always. Hey, buddy. Uh, and we have a very special guest this episode that we are super excited to be chatting with to bring you guys this episode. Uh, we have a Mr. Patrick H. Willems with us here today. Hello, Patrick. <laughs> uh hello supple boys what's up (laughs) it's hilarious uh you know we i think we chatted about this a little bit we uh we had the pleasure of meeting each other in new york this year uh, at Mm. new york city comic-con and and running into each other a couple of times led to us going going out on the town for uh some some drinks we went to that place that was like a like a disco diner joint at like two in the morning and it was pretty (laughs) good as in we closed out two places <laughs> in a row on a Sunday. Like the fact that you on guys closed Sunday. out two places uh, on the <laughs> Sunday night after New York Comic Con is impressive. Because yes. uh, I've like I'm retired from this, but I mm-hmm. back in my day I would do the all four days at the con and then out at the parties every night. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, my, my Sunday night you you don't feel good. No, no you that not. trip that trip was brutal. We left that disco diner being like, "Oh my god, we have to be awake in two and a half hours to go work the con." <laughs> to get, to, to go. Well, it was uh, it wasn't to work the con. We were fucking. We had to get up for the airport. Uh, no, oh, that, that's right. That was morning. the last day. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. I saw yes. you guys the night before that's at right. the Marvel yep. party, where we had yep. the mm-hmm. funny thing where I was in line for the bathroom, and I was. <laughs> that's where I met Tyler. And Tyler I was talking Dennis, to him, yeah. and then the the two bathroom doors open, and you guys <laughs> each emerged from one. <laughs> it was comical. I'd already met Griffin like, yeah. I think, like the day before. Mm-hmm. Ethan, I hadn't mm-hmm. met you yet, but yeah, just suddenly you've met, you've met the entire supple thruple. Yeah, uh, it was it was delightful, yeah. and then we hung out at the party, mm-hmm. and then the following night we actually like, made plans like let's go out and like hang out. Mm-hmm. I guess we could go all the way into it because you you were you were at the Marvel bar. You hang around with a lot of comics mm-hmm. folks, uh, and that that's of course what we spent a lot of our time talking about. But it's fascinating to me because that's a world that you're so, sort of integrated in. 
but you have no interest in being a part of necessarily. <laughs> what, mm-hmm. what, what, is, what is that? How did this happen? I have like a non-professional interest in the comics industry, mm-hmm. sort of. I, I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to really go back, uh, mm-hmm. like, like way back to like my I, – I wanted to be a comic book artist before I wanted to be a filmmaker. Really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I, like like in, in elementary school, I was like the kid who can draw well, which basically mm-hmm. means I can copy Batman comics mm-hmm. like pretty well because that's all I would do. And then I realized in middle school, I, I was like, oh, like I, I see – where my uh, my weaknesses are in terms of like mm-hmm. oh like lighting and shading and perspective and anatomy and i realized i do not care enough to put in the work <laughs> to improve to get good enough at these things and i also realized oh wait all of the ideas i have for comic books i'm way more interested in the idea of skipping ahead to the film adaptations Mm-hmm. so uh <laughs> and th- 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 this was me in like i think seventh grade i realized that uh and then i realized like oh okay no i uh i just like comics i just yeah. i want to be mm-hmm. a filmmaker and uh but then the th- the funny root of things was the when i kind of like lo- when i i started my still ongoing uh youtube career in like mm-hmm. 2011 um the funny, and I, I don't know if you guys even know this because you're like young. Um, <laughs> uh, one of my earliest videos that was like successful was mm-hmm. about uh, DC's New Fifty Two, like mm-hmm. right before mm-hmm. it came out. And because I was just like, I was trying to figure out how to make videos and what they should be about. I forgot I like, you've been going that long. That's crazy. Yeah. 2011, yeah. I started the channel. I mean, I, I didn't make money off of it for six years. Right, uh, right, right. But I, mm-hmm. but I, like, I, I was starting to figure out, like, oh wait, what if I made videos that you know, actually involved like topical pop culture things that ha- already have an audience. It might be easier to get views that way. And I yeah. was like, well, um, I read a lot of comics and everyone's talking about the new 52. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was like a few weeks before it started. Everyone's yelling about the new 52. <laughs> <laughs> and so I made like a two minute video, uh, you know, about it. And in the comics, in comics, like, internet it kind of got a bunch mm-hmm. of traction there and then i got a phone yeah. call from the then vp of marketing at dc comics wow. i had a meeting at the old at the old new york dc offices and then due to a misunderstanding uh we didn't work together because they thought i turned them down when i when i yeah. didn't and um yeah i learned this like two years later when i ran into that guy at near comic con again and uh and i learned like oh there was a misunderstanding and that's why you like stopped that's why you never got back to me. You you somehow yeah, right. thought I didn't want to work with you when I did, um, <laughs> uh, but but that was kind of the beginning of of me thinking like, okay, wait, maybe maybe if I can like get in doing like video stuff because like this was at a time when the comic book industry and movie industry were kind of getting closer and closer together. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I was thinking like maybe if I can like do like comics related work. Uh, but like in video form, then that could be a way to like get in there and slide over yeah. to like the film world. And then as time went on, uh, you know, I went to a lot of comic conventions, as in New York and San Diego, a bunch of times. Uh, mm-hmm. I made a lot of friends in comics because I would discover, oh, people in comics watch the videos I make, and I'm a fan of them because I go to the comic store every week and buy a shit ton of comics and yeah. then as time went on i kind of really I, I ended up just having a career on uh on youtube doing all just like film related stuff and mm-hmm. i and i no longer had any interest in like i also kind of realized that like 
uh, a career doing video stuff for comic book publishers it's like there's not a lot of money to, to be made there that that's not <laughs> sure. that's not really the like uh like the way to have like a stable career and so i yeah. just ended up in the spot where i am now where like new york comic-con rolls around i like you know i go to the marvel party i meet up with mm-hmm. like uh you know my my comic industry friends who are in town for the weekend and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah. uh you know i go to the con for one day i say hi to my friends who are like have like tables there and then uh i get to go home to my apartment and i don't have to do all the the it's beautiful work stuff it's beautiful patrick yeah and so and so that's basically it that's how i'm here and well i'm here because you know griffin you ran into me in artist alley and said hi yes and yes. then i think i was when i talked to you guys more i was so truly entertained by the concept of the supple boys like genuinely like griffin when you emailed me about being on the show Mm -hmm. every time a a new email in the thread would pop up and i would just see the subject header just supple boys i would Mm -hmm. laugh Mm -hmm. it it will never not be funny to me uh like I don't even know what we're here to talk about. I'm excited <laughs> yeah. to be on a show called Something. <laughs> Listen, it gets uh, mixed reactions. Some people love it, but yeah. everybody remembers it, and that's why we stick to it. Uh, oh, Rosenberg, yes. Matthew Rosenberg, Supple Boys. <laughs> yeah, Matthew Rosenberg <laughs> changes it every time he says it. Rosenberg will call us the sophisticated boys. Yeah, he's he's, boys. he's doing a lot of market research for us on potential you know alternate yeah. routes. Uh, we just heard a story yesterday about a couple of folks who were chatting. The artists on our book was saying, uh, which we can't say we haven't announced it yet. It's happening though. Get ready, everybody. We'll talk about Uh-oh. it real soon. The artists on our book was having conversation with someone over at Marvel, and they were like, "Oh, you're mm-hmm. doing a project with the uh, the Supple Boys there." <laughs> and they were like okay so like okay that's sweet we we are like so in there with the folks at marvel uh however the idea of the word supple boys echoing through the marvel offices i feel like the 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 thing that we all need to need to make happen is we all i want to hear tom brevoort say supple (laughs) tom brevoort joe casada uh we might even have stan lee saying it Mm, I feel like we missed that one. We might have missed that one. You know what, guys? AI technology is getting better every day. (laughs) Oh, dude. Disney's out here with Respeecher. We're going to fucking have it in no time. Um, uh, Let's let's rewind back just a little bit to like, so you fell into YouTube because you're like, "Eh, comics work, I don't know. Uh, But but movies, I want to do movies. uh, And talking about movies has certainly like provided you with this, I think probably un- a slightly unexpected sort of career uh or or would you say how planned was the was the the idea of i'm going to be a youtube personality talking about movies how um how has that journey been for you how fulfilling has it been for you what are what, yeah. what are your thoughts also, and feelings also, about by the, the way Patrick in Wilms case anyone's YouTube listening channel? to this who doesn't know who i am uh my, <laughs> yeah, my yeah, primary yeah. day job is uh i make increasingly long overly <laughs> complicated video essays about movies that occasionally talk about comics a bit but mostly about mm-hmm. movies uh over uh you know on 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 the internet uh so that's what i do um yeah to answer your question um uh this was not planned like right. at all basically like mm-hmm. i i you know i went to i you know 
from like middle school onward was like making movies all the time. I was like, I want to be a movie director. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I went to college, uh, got a degree in a thing called cinema studies, which is basically <laughs> good. like an English degree, but mostly you know, about you write, movies. You write papers about movies. And then I took, yeah, right. mm-hmm. took like, like production classes and I was like, I got out of college. I'm like, I, I just want to direct movies and stuff. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there are no jobs like uh, a little job, like, listings for like directors and stuff and also my senior thesis film um was uh was not like an amazing masterpiece that was immediately gonna (laughs) like get me a development deal at universal pictures um Mm -hmm. so yeah so i was like i I just don't know what to do now and then i decided like i I was looking at youtube and was like oh wait there's people doing like actual filmmaking there Mm -hmm. that because back in like 2010 like when i graduated Mm -hmm. from college you know, YouTube was not quite what it is now. It was still mostly just like, I don't know, si- like silly home videos, <laughs> like the mm-hmm. vast majority of it. It was and like, like early vlogging and stuff like that. I recall. I recall. Yeah. But I and so I started to realize like, oh, wait, this could be like, I don't really want to do the thing where you move to L.A. and. Mm-hmm. you know be a pa and get people coffee for a decade and then maybe eventually <laughs> you might meet someone who will like look at your script yeah. uh because if i'm not like making something all the time i get really antsy and i and unhappy and so and I, and in my hometown like from high school i had this whole network of of people that i would work with like every summer i'd come home from college and we'd make movies and everything so i was like wait what if i just start making youtube videos uh where like every week it's like a new short film and i can just Mm -hmm. do whatever i want and like experiment and then hopefully something i make there will like get attention somewhere and then lead to me getting hired for something like i i I wasn't even planning on like like making career on youtube i was just using it as a portfolio to try to get hired to do other stuff and mm -hmm. uh and then for like six years all the videos were just like short films like narrative shorts like i was barely ever in them uh mm-hmm. like you know like the the wes anderson x-men was s- mm-hmm. still the most like widely viewed successful thing i i ever made bananas yeah and uh, that's how i found you that's that was my yeah. my gateway drug to patrick willems as it yeah. is i think for a lot of people I that imagine. was it for most people and well and then and then like two years later or so when suddenly the channel took off with video essays then to, honestly, to this day, there's still people going like, oh, wait, you were the guy who made that other video years ago. Right. And uh, right. yeah, and that that video also, that was the one that was where I it really seemed like, oh, this is actually going to like start a career. Like that's where mm-hmm. I was having like, you know, development meetings and talking to like production companies and TV producers and stuff like that. Everything fell apart. Like like not mm-hmm. nothing ended up coming mm-hmm. from it. It was very frustrating. Uh, and then finally... Uh, like on a whim, I decided to give YouTube one last shot. And I was like, I don't know. I'll try making a video essay. Those are like a thing on YouTube now. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, 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 have a, I wrote a lot of essays in college. Uh, and anyway, I, I did it. I made one complaining about how Marvel lo- movies look really bland and ugly. <laughs> and uh, and it, it blew up and like actually turned this into a career. And then, and then suddenly, because of that one video, I ended up 
becoming like a an on-camera personality talking about yeah. movies when my goal was always to just be a guy behind the camera making right. like mm-hmm. narrative stuff so that fucking video people are always still referencing that video that video is like become part of like the conversation about blockbusters people are always referencing that and it's it's fucking crazy it is it's like it, it's it's funny to me now because like i don't even like tweet about that topic anymore because yeah. it is it's now like talked about so often uh-huh. like oh, every yeah. week yeah. there's some new uh like viral tweet that's just like yeah. screenshots of like some new marvel trailer that's like oh why do these movies still look like this yeah. and um <laughs> So yeah, I I mean I mean it's the thing where when I made that I thought no one was gonna watch it because I'm like it's about color grading. No one gives <laughs> yeah. a shit about color grading. Yeah. Uh, and then after I made it and it and it was successful, I could look at it now that I've learned more about how YouTube works and I I could pinpoint why it did well because like oh it took a very popular thing and it pointed out something that people had sensed but no one had articulated yet Mm -hmm. and so suddenly you know like people can like share it and watch it and 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 be like oh right i did feel like something was off about the way those looked but i just hadn't ever like put it into words which is really like the sweet magic spot for a youtube video that Mm -hmm. i if i could do it every time i would but uh it's very hard but yeah, but it, it it is weird. I mean, look, the I think I called it like the muddy cement look. It's yeah. still, like literally like it it's funny. Uh a couple hours ago I watched the the trailer for this new Transformers movie just dropped. Yep. Was yes. it Rise of the Beasts? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh man, it the like I mean like, the, the movie itself look could be perfectly fun and stuff like that, but visually yeah. I was like, Oh wow, it's that they they still look like this. It's not there's even a Marvel there. thing, it's just most also, what a, what, a, what a weird era yeah. that the Transformers look worse than they did in the Michael Bay movies. <laughs> I mean, just the thing. Look, there's a lot of things to be said about those Michael Bay movies. I could, I, I, I could talk about them for a very long time. They are mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Visually, they look good. Yeah. Like the, Who shot that? That's not like Larry Fong or something, is it? Who the did new that? one? No, I, I, I looked this up. It's... um. Uh, I, I, I I immediately went to IMDb and was like, who is the cinematographer on this? It's um so it's directed by the guy who made Creed 2. Mm, okay. Um and uh but I can't remember if it's the um oh oh, oh uh weirdly it's the cinematographer like it's one of these things where he's shot good looking things like he uh mm. he worked with danny boyle he shot 127 hours which is like one of the mm. earliest like super digital movies uh he's like it's a thing where i mean it's kind of like the marvel thing where it's like you look at some of their dps uh and it's like uh you know like 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 oh wait how did like mauro fiore the guy who <laughs> like shot mm-hmm. like the first avatar or michael bay's the island and stuff like that shoot spider-man no way home there's like yeah. nothing distinguishable there i mean it's like bill pope the man who shot the matrix who shot uh-huh. like scott pilgrim shot shang chi you'd mm-hmm. never huh. ever huh. tell yeah. one of one of the most interesting examples of that recently for me is uh bradford young on solo a star wars story but solo looks mm. good Solo looks good. good. It's just like one of those things where it's like 
they got this guy and they let this guy do his fucking thing. But why then? Why is the like then next door at the Marvel camp? They're like, it doesn't matter who is shooting it. We could get anybody to do it. It's gonna we're gonna grade the shit out of it. So then it all looks the same and it doesn't matter. It's the I thing, don't understand. It's the funny thing because it's like, you know, obviously, you know, like Lucasfilm and 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 Marvel, they're both, you know, like mm-hmm. studios within Disney and stuff like that. And it's like, look, I have a lot of complicated feelings about like Star Wars stuff and and, and that kind of thing. But like it's thing you look at like the five movies that they made mm-hmm. during the Disney era, each one looks so like just just visually even though like you know i you know i i i think rise of skywalker is so much worse than any movie marvel studios has ever made but it looks so much better and it's basically because you know marvel makes so much stuff Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have, and like, they have to like, th- they have a system and a pipeline for micromanaging everything and overseeing everything. And so it's like to make that amount of stuff, they, I think have to have a kind of factory like approach where it's mm-hmm. like, things must be shot a certain way. We will, we, we, we must have a consistent kind of like look across everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My take on that, I like, I get why they're doing it to me. It's frustrating because look, you look at. I know I've used this analogy in videos before, but you look at the new releases shelf in a comic store, it's not Mm -hmm. the same artist drawing every book. There's a variety of styles. And that's what's fun about like the medium. And like even like you look at like this of Marvel Comics publishes in one week. Yeah. A variety of art styles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh it's the thing that's kind of fun about like phase one of the MCU. The Mm -hmm. movies each look different. And it's also wild that Thor one visually looks way better it's than like good. Thor four. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yesterday, I finally had time to go see Wakanda Forever, mm-hmm. and my assumption with that movie is that because Ryan Coogler had so much weight to throw around after the first movie, and then mm-hmm. also because of the like insane circumstances that they had to make this movie, yeah. My guess mm-hmm. he was like, "We're going to like." some fucking locations in this yeah, one. I'm it. not, uh, we're going to have a scene on a beach and it's yeah. going to be mm-hmm. a beach. It's not, yeah. it's not going to be an Atlanta parking lot with a green screen <laughs> beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Absolutely. you can feel it, especially even things like, I don't know. Um, first off, first off, I like the movie. Uh, I don't I know if we too. have to it, get in, into a, a full, a full chat about it, but I, I thought that, um, Ryan Coogler, I think, really has an eye for some of the visuals in a way that a lot of other uh, directors on these sorts of movies don't quite have. He can at least like figure out like what some of the like thematic stuff is and work that into the visuals in a way that nobody else does, and then have them fucking strike a pose. And Ludwig Göransson's score is like going insane <laughs> at the it, same time. It's a major thing that it's just like the. The Gorenson scores for the Black mm. Panther movies are oh my. not to be rude oh. to other composers from Marvel movies, <laughs> but they are so much better than yeah. all like I don't know twenty eight other scores yeah. they have. Yes, yes. It's I like, mean he's really good. He's really good. Yes, I I I listen to his Tenet score like multiple times oh my per God, week, dude. I yeah. I've got it on vinyl. Like it's uh, he, he's so good. He, his stuff just but like, but i'm sorry but do you listen to the score that he did for the tv series community regularly 
Do you listen to his score for Venom 2018? Oh shit! Which honestly, there's a there's a couple of pieces in the Venom score that I'm like, that's pretty good. You know, actually. I've never gone back and listened to the Venom score. I've also I especially like when it was on, I was such a big community fan oh, that yeah. I would just have pieces from that stuff mm-hmm. in my head a lot. Yeah. Uh what a what a there I know a lot of composers have wild careers, but the funny arc of his, it's like, oh, he was a sitcom composer, and then Donald Glover happened to be on that sitcom, and then yeah. they started working together, and then he became a hip-hop Crazy. producer, and then circled back, and and now he, like, wins Oscars. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's fantastic. He, he had the sort of, I mean, I know Giacchino came in and did it uh, with Rogue One before him, but I guess, like, he's he's he has to decide what does star Wars sound like that isn't John Williams. That isn't so, but it's supposed to be a whole new fucking thing. And his, his Mandalorian score, I think is uh, a, a huge reason as to why that show gets as much love as it does, because his stuff just elevates the tone of it all to another level. And that, that show is so atmosphere is, is, is wanting to be so atmospheric. And I think his score does a lot of the, the heavy oh, lifting yeah. on that. And especially like, I feel like the, Jakino score for for Rogue One is because that was also mm-hmm. a weird case where wasn't he like really rushed during that because like Alexander so. Desplat mm-hmm. was supposed to compose yes. it and then mm-hmm. something yes. happened there and like mm-hmm. I like I can barely remember the Rogue One score because I feel I I mostly remember it being like it sounds Williams esque mm-hmm. uh, and but like Gorenson was the the first guy who like changed up like what yeah. Star Wars could sound like and now you have like you know, Nicholas Bertel, like, wilding out on synthesizers on Andor. <laughs> so good. And, uh, so good. Uh, I, 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 I listen to uh, just the the uh, the big Andor playlist of just all the music from that a lot. Mm. It's uh, it's very good. But Ludwig, he was, like, the the first guy to kick My open God. that door. <laughs> My God. And it's so I, I, about, I, about film scores, right? <laughs> yeah this is this film this scores is indeed. We, we didn't we didn't bring you here to talk about marvel and star wars that's basic shit let's get back to the creative yeah. wank okay it's time uh, to talk about the fablemans oh boy oh <laughs> i, I haven't it. seen it yet we're not actually talking also about the fablemans. Seen i'm it, seeing yeah. it either tonight or tomorrow uh, we can, we're talking about Pinocchio. We're talking about Lies of P. Uh, <laughs> okay, are we talking about this again? <laughs> so the Zemeckis Pinocchio, right? Okay, I'm going to run okay, over this listen. again. Are you are you are you aware that not only this year is there a Disney Pinocchio by Zemeckis, like Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio? There's also a Dark Souls style video game coming out called Lies of P, and it's also about Pinocchio. <laughs> Dude, uh, wait, it's like the fifth time, time this has come up this week. <laughs> Every time you say it, I'm like, Lies of Lying. Lies of P. Lies of P. <laughs> And I say uh, the same thing every time. Lies of Pinocchio would be a good title, but it's Lies of P because they were scared. The first time you said it, I thought you said uh, Liza P, like a woman's oh, no. name. Oh, uh, oh my God. <laughs> there it is. In, oh, my God. It's very, it's gothic. It's so serious. Is this... Is this the year of Pinocchio? Yes, it is. Yes, it the is. The Lord. It's the Pinocchio-sons. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, I mean, like, 
like we're all aware of those years you know like uh uh-huh. like the ants bugs life year the volcano dante's yeah. peak year yeah. but when is there also a dark gothic <laughs> video game where, where where is our dark gothic volcano game uh, lies of p lies of p oh my god this made my day learning (laughs) you told me you told me about it yesterday afternoon and i've been thinking about it every so like every so often the past 24 hours i've just like chuckled to myself because i'm like what the fuck it kind of alters your perception of what's possible creatively like (laughs) it it does what oh my god it's got a real it's got a real no wrong answers attitude about it that i really like (laughs) yeah wait one sec i i had closed my tab i I, i'm opening it back up why uh sorry i'm it's okay it's okay i know you need time to process lies i I love when you know when you google something and then google gives you like a list of questions about your search people ask yeah yeah, and uh when when you google lies of p it says people also ask is lies of p release date but then is lies of p about pinocchio uh, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Can, uh, guys, I have to read these to you because yeah, yeah, this is the list of questions that apparently people have Googled related mm-hmm. to Lies of P. Is Lies of P release date? Is Lies of P <laughs> at Pinocchio? What will Lies of P be on? Is Lies of P hard? <laughs> Buckle up. What oh, mental silly. disorder does Pinocchio have? <laughs> oh, oh, wait, wait. Um, what does the... What does the Pinocchio ride say that is inappropriate? <laughs> is there a Pinocchio ride at like Disneyland? There must be some <laughs> lore. There's some lore I'm missing out on of the, the Pinocchio. Oh, can. by the way, apparently Pinocchio manifests the signs of a child with an oppositional defiant disorder. He okay, makes them break one promise after another to hang out with a bunch of ruffian. Yeah, um, but like in, it says it's inspired by Pinocchio, but like. Uh-huh. Do, what does the does the P in the title stand for Pinocchio, or do they Surely. only call him P? I think I, I well, if they say inspired, maybe it's that they only call him P, but he's clearly Pinocchio. I don't know, but isn't it in the public domain? Why not go for it? I don't understand. Oh, it, it, it fully is, which is, yeah. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't be getting these right. other Pinocchios. Yeah. It's By a the very way, I love the story. idea that if you ride a Pinocchio ride and you're just listening closely enough, he drops a C-bomb or something. <laughs> Okay, weird. I, okay, I, I'm I'm now on 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 the Steam website with the official listing for it, and no, it's straight up. You do play as Pinocchio. There's no oh, reason. Yeah. Honestly, wouldn't Lies of Pinocchio sound better than Lies of P? It yes. sounds like they yes. were like worried that if they put Pinocchio in the name, people would think it was dumb, and so you go with the. I'm sorry, but I already think you, it's dumb. You, you've already made the game where you play as Pinocchio, and it's a Dark Souls fucking style. And some game. somebody in the room already was like, stupid. "Lies of," uh, we shortened it to P, "Lives of P," and then and then somebody was like, "Oh, it sounds like Life of Pi," and they're like, "Yeah, that's why I said that." Yeah, you made a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, play as Pinocchio, a puppet mechanoid, and fight through everything <laughs> in your path to find God, this mystery. Per- oh, 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 you're trying to find Geppetto. Okay, uh, that's fucking sick. You wake up at an abandoned train station in Krat, a city overwhelmed mm-hmm. by madness and bloodlust. In front of you lies a single note that reads, find Mr. Geppetto. He's here in the city. So this oh is a good God. episode of your show, right? 
Yeah, it's a great, great episode. episode. And yes. it's the time yeah. for us to reveal that our first comic book we've been teasing is about Pinocchio. <laughs> our, our book is, in fact, called Life of P. Life of uh, P. <laughs> guide Pinocchio on his unrelenting journey to become human. It's a prequel That's to so Life awesome. of P. Yeah. Apparently okay, that I, game is a love letter to Dark Souls prequel. games, and I say good on him. Great. Um, great. I got a question. Will there be a mission where he goes to Pleasure Island and everyone there's drinking too much root beer and smashing cuckoo? They're all drinking and... CG root beers that float around <laughs> in their hands. Yeah. Um, uh, listen, I've got a real question, not lies of P related for you, Patrick. Um, we were, fine. We, <laughs> we were going through your, your, your career and you were talking about getting into video essays and stuff. Um, I, something that I'm curious about, I've never really put it into words, so maybe I can struggle through it now, is like you, what you do, like you said, they get longer and longer, these videos, and they're getting more intricate and, and they have so many different elements. And obviously you've brought in the narrative stuff, which we want to talk about because that's something we uh, also love. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's like, to me, what you're doing now, calling it a video essay is even strange because because you think video essay, you think, somebody speaking kind of softly over footage or whatever, but it's like your things are whole. They're just projects that are, seem so much bigger than that to me. Um, and I guess my question is like, do you have sort of an overarching view of where that evolution goes? Are you building towards something that you want to approach that's an even larger experiment? Or are you just sort of taking it step by step and just adding things and trying things is there a, is there a somewhere you're trying to reach with what you do, or are you just always experimenting and toying with it? That's a really good question because yeah, like like back like when I started. Okay, as I mentioned before, when I made that first video essay, I had no intention of like that. That wasn't a a, a deliberate career pivot. Like, ooh, I'm right. gonna now start doing this. I I tried one thing as an experiment. It went really well, and I realized mm -hmm. like, oh, let's follow this because. I it would be cool to like, I don't know, uh, make money from this and yeah. actually have a sustainable career doing this. For sure. Uh, and then for a year, I basically, I kept making video essays, but I just kept doing it in the same, in basically what was kind of like, what at the time in like 2017 was the default video essay style, mm -hmm. which is they're like 10 minutes long. You record a voiceover and you edit movie clips to it and then have kind of chill hop music playing on your mm -hmm. back because mm -hmm. at this point, it, it, like, it was basically like every frame of painting and then the nerd writer had kind of set that as the template and then we were all just doing that. And I did that for a year and realized I'm really bored because mm -hmm. like sure, like writing the essays and like thinking about what I want to say about movies, that's fun, but I've got to enjoy the process mm -hmm. and cause this is like coming at, uh, yeah, this is coming after about six years of doing like all purely narrative filmmaking stuff all yeah, the time. Right. And, uh, where there's like, I, I'm, I'm getting to work those creative muscles of like, okay, thinking about like, like shots and visuals and storytelling and stuff like that. And I wasn't using any of that at all for this. Mm -hmm. And so, and it, it was also the, realizing that, Oh, the, the, like the field that I was in uh, was getting so crowded with like, yeah. like a t so many video essay channels that all basically looked and felt the same. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so I realized the like, rise okay. and fall of Teletubbies. It, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. big, the big thing, I feel like that's 
that might be a more recent titling development. Right. In 2017, and I did this too, what everyone would do uh, for titles was name uh, name of either director or movie, colon, mm-hmm. how to do blank. As in uh, like, yeah, yeah. like, you know, uh, and I feel like why, just, why it works. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. just that thing of like, here's a technique and here's how this person does it or here's how this yeah. movie does it. And all our titles are the same. All of our videos seem the same. Uh, there's good ones in there. Uh, there's less good ones in there. But mm-hmm. from the out, like if you're scrolling through YouTube, they all look the same. Yeah. And so I realized like, okay, uh, like, like, if I like, I I need to find a way to first of all like make mine stand apart, but also I mm-hmm. mostly I just want to enjoy the process of it more and at least like uh, make these in a way that I find like an exciting challenge. Yeah. And so then I, that's when I started deciding to like just inject more filmmaking into them and to be like mm-hmm. it, it kind of does make sense. It's like why make it a video essay if all you're gonna do is like basically just write an essay and then read it. It's like, you could just right. post mm-hmm. the written essay online. It's like, let's use the form yeah. in an interesting way and take advantage yeah. of that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so, uh, so I started adding like, you know, framing devices or just like ex- experimenting with like ways to in- insert some kind of, of, of narrative into, into the videos. And just basically, and I, I started appearing on camera more, uh, which also makes it easier to edit because, Sometimes you can just cut back to yourself and you don't have to have some yeah. clip to like fill those 10 seconds of the video, which right. is great. Gotta go to YouTube it, to it, MP4 it, downloader. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there were so there was all that stuff. And as I started doing it, and it was a way to like, you know, get back to doing more uh to collaborating more with uh uh my friends that I had made all like the narrative shorts with. And and then as my basic thing that I've realized about myself is that I I don't like repeating myself and doing the same thing over and over again. What right. YouTube as like a system wants you to do is find one thing that works that 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 people watch mm-hmm. and then repeat that exact thing over and over and over again forever Mm -hmm. and uh i did that for like a year all of my video essays in 2017 basically kind of look and feel the same i uh i i I, and i feel nothing for those videos it's like i i like forget i made them because the (laughs) process was felt so impersonal and so like removed from what i'm i'm interested in even if like i i'm i still probably stand by points that i made in those videos and so my thing i'm i'm basically just doing this to make myself happy and yeah. uh and i i i'm fully aware it, it's the funny thing when because you, you know when you're on youtube you got to think about like you got to look at your analytics and stuff mm-hmm. like that and think about the algorithm you know, the algorithm the audience and stuff like that and i'm in this funny position where i uh, like i would probably have more subscribers if i if all of my videos were very traditional video mm-hmm. essays that would just got right to the point and you know got the information done like like concisely and uh and also were about like smaller topics not like i'm going to yeah. talk about a one person's 50 year career in right. in one video uh but at the same time um i would be more frustrated and i would 
be kind of bored with the process if I were doing it that way. And what I've discovered about my audience is that while my audience compared to other channels grows relatively slowly, uh, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still, I, I, I still have not quite reached 400,000 subscribers. Uh, mm. it, it, not like it does not grow quickly, but the people, the audience that's there because I do videos in a weird way mm-hmm. that no one else is doing. They are extremely loyal and they watch everything, Absolutely. which means that I don't have to let, like most people in my like field on YouTube do kind of have this like pressure to be to like follow like okay what like you know what are what are the topics that that get views what what's a big movie coming out that i can like you know do a related video to because it's Mm -hmm. topical and people are looking for stuff about that and at this point my audience trusts me enough to be like we'll watch whatever you want to make yeah and so i can kind of just make whatever videos I want to do, talk about whatever I want to talk about. And the videos- That's the dream. That's so sick. (laughs) I know. they. It's The thing that I always point to is in 2020, I think like back to back, I did a video about Christopher Nolan, Mm -hmm. who who is one of those topics that is like the surefire, like this will perform well on YouTube. There will always Mm -hmm. be, because everyone watches his movies, uh, especially if you have a majority male audience, they will click on it immediately. Mm -hmm. And then- I made a video about Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, <laughs> which is uh, not a video that uh, the largely male uh, Christopher Nolan fan mm-hmm. audience would normally click on. Uh, mm-hmm. Those videos performed pretty similarly. Huh. Like, uh, <laughs> wow. It was like, yeah, it was the thing where like, like the majority of people who watched the Nolan one also watched the Mamma Mia one. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and I feel like that was a moment for me where I was like, oh, shit. I okay, this is cool. I I really I don't it. have to like it, feel the question be like like uh uh oh. Well, it's been two months. Better better talk about superhero movies again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, every so often I'll, I'll, I'll like do those things. Uh, but but it's very nice because like I I made a point of like about two and a half years ago being like this is the last Star Wars video I'm ever gonna make. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think like three years ago I was like this is the last Marvel Studios video I'm ever gonna make. Uh, I, I've, I've done a couple things where I'm like, and I think this year alone, I did a movie about like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies and just Batman. Uh, Mm -hmm. but I have at no point have I felt like the need to be like, Oh God, views are dropping. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Got to return to Marvel. And, uh, and it's such a relief. Uh, And, and, and in general, with the videos, like they keep getting longer and more complicated and more ambitious because I just, uh, this is not like a thing that I'm sitting there like like plotting out like okay over the next six months here's where we'll take things, uh, and 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 here's like new things we'll try and stuff like that. But I feel like just it's just a natural thing of, uh, like I just want to make stuff that I'm excited about. I want to pick topics mm-hmm. that I'm excited about and I want to talk about and also find, uh, like even if it's even if it's uh, stuff as simple as like you know just improve my like my cinematography when lighting like dialogue scenes and interior locations it's just like i like i want to have like a challenge both in terms of like what i'm doing in terms of film analysis but also a like technical and like 
filmmaking storytelling challenge in each one. And the goal is still to like use this to get to the point where, you know, I can, you know, just get paid to like direct narrative film stuff all the right. time. Mm -hmm. I'm I, I basically using the videos as like a backdoor pilot to like, yeah. you know, trick people into letting me like make movies and stuff. Um, yeah, of course. But that, that's basically it. It, it. It's just like constantly wanting to like, I, like it, if it doesn't feel to me like this is evolving and growing and like, and getting better and, and going in new directions, then I, I, then I wouldn't be satisfied, but I do feel right. like that's what it's doing. Right. And you it, did direct a feature. You did it. I Night did. Of the Coconut. I, I did make a, I accidentally made a feature film that was supposed to be like a 20 minute short that would take a couple months. And it mm -hmm. took a year and was 90 minutes long. And it was you really had a hard. We had a premiere at the <laughs> IFD Center in New York. Yeah. Um, get the soundtrack on vinyl. I, uh, they are, I, I, I'm, I'm so stoked. We, uh, the, the, so we do a vinyl soundtrack that uh, Mondo, the company, produced, and they're good. printed. They are currently on their way. They're arriving in New York any day now because for, like, the special edition one on yellow mm -hmm. vinyl that we're selling through my merch store, uh, Brian Metolius, the composer, and I are signing all of them. So next week we have to get – we have to go over to the Nebula office and each sign, like, 300, uh, <laughs> like, like – you know, vinyl record packages. My, my, right. I'm going to get like carpal tunnel from doing this. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. but yeah, we, uh, we made a movie. Um, yeah. and, uh, and we, we, we got a vinyl soundtrack. So streaming now on Nebula. Exactly. So, so, and, and that's, that entirely happened because of these video essays and me yeah. deciding to make things more complicated by <laughs> inserting this like serialized narrative into them. Uh, and so I guess it worked. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we, we've been wanting to talk about that too, because we also, we find ourselves in some narrative shenanigans. Every now the and show. then. Every now and then we do happen mm -hmm. to stumble into some sort of grand this adventure time. and everything. <laughs> Not this particular episode, but it's, I have a, a feeling in my gut that's coming up very soon. Um, <laughs> I hope you're wrong. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Uh, but before we proceed, we should probably play the ad from our sponsor, Green Suit Goon, on a completely okay. unrelated note. So, mm -hmm. oh hey everybody, it's me, Green Suit Goon. Hey, have you ever been looking? Have you ever said? I really could, I see one of those goons over there, I could use a nice colorful suit like that. Come on down to Green Suit Goons Green Suits, get yourself a nice green suit. I promise you, you're not going to regret You can also visit GreenSuitGoonsGreenSuits.com and type in the code GreenSuitGoonsGreenSuitGoonDeal, sale on the green suits, and get 20% off your first green suit. Uh, thank you, Green Sukun, for that. Thank um, you, Green Sukun. We appreciate it. Uh, but we're we're talking about inserting all the narrative <laughs> stuff into into a sort of a a, a dialogue based um, mm -hmm. content. I guess I don't love using the word content because it just sort of commodifies everything uh, to me. Where it's just like it's a thing that i consume oh, oh. instead of like griffin i uh <laughs> not, not only do i have a long-standing public beef with the word content mm -hmm. to the point where uh the uh my composer wrote 
a, a lyric into the theme song for my show, uh, Just Don't Call It Content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I do for like at some point later this season, uh, actually finally have a video planned that gets into my issues with, with calling oh, creative it. work mm-hmm. content. Mm-hmm. So, but that said, that said, I understand that, you know, when, when talking about this type of stuff and like industries and creative work, every so often you are in a position where it is the most accurate term to use. Sure for what you're saying so don't worry about using it but it sounds like yeah. it's just paste in a box or something like it's just it's just, it's just yeah. a paste that i eat like right. just... I, I, I mean <laughs> that that is like the thing with content it like content just refers to a thing that fills a space like mm-hmm. the contents of a bag mm-hmm. and content is like for talking about like creative work is like really one of those words that just originated in like in the boardroom that execs would oh, yeah. use to describe like oh well what what is the stuff that's going to fill the real estate on our website right. oh we right. need content for that it's all disposable who cares what shit it is it's just like mm-hmm. and 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 that's i i feel like it devalues the work right. by because it, it's like well if 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 content is creative work on the internet then a tweet is content uh but then why is is people are like i love martin scorsese's content (laughs) (laughs) scorsese's standing on stage like oh what the fuck does that mean (laughs) oh 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 oh, oh, no i i marty has addressed the word content before oh yeah last year in this piece he wrote uh for harper's bazaar Uh, one of the pieces that he wrote where people got mad at him, even though most of it was just about how he likes Fellini movies. (laughs) Uh, uh, people were just like, you're an elitist who's gatekeeping and getting mad at us because we, we like franchise movies. He's just like, I was just trying to talk about Frederico (laughs) Fellini. (laughs) Uh, But, but he gets into that, the, I think that I agree with, which is that like, especially looking at the, like the way that something like Netflix handles mm-hmm. their releases and like treats their library, it really is kind of just treating it all like interchangeable, disposable content. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I we're on the same page here. I do want to hand crank it back to you for a second because uh, we were talking about the evolution of your stuff and and my my favorite thing that I think maybe you've ever done was the recent Zack Snyder video. Um, oh, and thank you. That to me really highlighted why I like your stuff so much is because you were talking about all the video essays, like just being like, because we kind of, you know, talking about how young we are, we sort of like came up with like, like grew up with like, okay, now everyone is sharing their opinion about everything. And some people know how to make really polished videos and stuff. And so they're like very professionally sharing their opinion about everything and everybody's got a take and whatever. And so like, to me, that stuff becomes so like tiresome at a certain point where it's just like, it's just like, as Griffin said earlier, just fucking like takes everywhere. And I become a lot more interested in the stuff, you know, your Jenny Nicholson's and all these things where it's like, they're, they're kind of teaching you something uh, like you're learning about something while there is opinion in there. And to me, that's some, that's sort of the direction that you've taken where it's like, you're almost doing like documentaries that are interweaved with your opinions and your narratives and like all of that. Are you, and now you're on Nebula, which is sort of pitched as, as you know, an education-y area. Um, are you frightened by the word education? Are you like, are you embracing uh, that side of it? 
Uh, because to me, that's like a big sell of your current stuff. I love how much I learn from them. It's funny because it was never deliberate. Like, I, yeah. I, like I, at no point did I ever say people could learn some stuff from uh, from me. Like, I want to I, right. I want to be pro- more professorial. I mean, I do. <laughs> I do. Actually, in my new video, granted, I've worn it many times before, but I, I do wear a, a, a tweed jacket. Yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, no, no leather elbow patches, though. You're not um, there just yet, but you have no. the beret. You got to pair them together. Mm. Some yeah. Point uh, well, I, I mean, that, that I don't own that beret. Uh, the beret <laughs> from that photo, uh, that, uh, someone someone else brought that to the shoot because I threw out, <laughs> it would be funny if in the thumbnail for the, my class on Nebula, I'm wearing a beret and they made it happen. Right. Um, but like, uh, the thing with Nebula is like uh, Nebula being the, you know, streaming. I, I, I'm going to try to do this without just repeating my ad read. Yeah, copy. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Nebula is this skippers. streaming platform uh, that just, uh, I think like uh, last week, uh, crossed 600,000 paying subscribers. No, oh, wow. uh, we We... We beat CNN Plus so bad, and they Damn. put a billion dollars. They put it like a billion dollars into that, and no one signed up, and it shut down. Uh, and we, we, yeah, Good we riddance. folded them like laundry. Um, so, but uh, but Nebula is the streaming platform that is uh, was originally started as like an offshoot of this sort of uh, agency that that represents me and and a lot of other, let's say. Uh, like educational-ish or like like right. video essay channels, uh, where originally like they they reach out to me and took me on as a client in like fall 2018, mm-hmm. and uh, and the thing and the company being called Standard, um, and this was like way before they had the idea of Nebula, but basically the way it was designed was with this agency to to represent only uh, I think as I said, like educational-ish creators. Yeah. So like spe- sticking with this specific kind of field, uh, I think like Nebula brands itself as thoughtful videos. Right. Um, and then they, they take care of things like booking sponsors, uh, doing mm-hmm. like the graphic design branding for the channels and stuff like that. The the cool yellow bar at the top of all my thumbnails, uh, Simon, the, you know, the, uh, what was it? Ch- uh, chief creative officer and graphic designer. He did that. Right. Um and so they they took care of all these things that made my life better because I no longer had to be reaching out to brands and cold emailing people and negotiating my rates and stuff like that. Uh, and so they did this. And then I think it might have been like in 2019, they started this like this idea about like, what if we launched our own streaming service uh, mm-hmm. where we could have all of our stuff, uh, all the regular videos, but with no ads, but then also get funding to make like original productions, right. uh, stuff that might not be accepted by the YouTube algorithm because mm-hmm. the algorithm wants you to make the same kind of thing all the time. And if you make a different thing, you're often penalized for that. Uh, mm-hmm. But but here it's like, oh, what if we gave you a bigger budget to make that weird other thing? In my case, that was like to, to make a feature length narrative film. Yeah, um, right. And and the general idea is it, it's like it's not there was never any decree like it has to be educational. No one has ever right. told me what to make there, but right. it's just you know, in general, it's a lot of people who are like you know who are making video essays about like topics that they know a lot about, whether they are yeah. music or science or history or film or whatever, and uh, and so I think 
as time has gone on, if I, if my videos have gotten more educational, mm -hmm. that has been entirely accidental right. uh, and just, and just through following my own interests, because a lot of the stuff, like you look at like the Zack Snyder video or things like, like I, I keep trying to take on bigger and bigger topics yeah. it used to be like, Oh, I'll talk about one technique used in one movie. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, I'm kind of, now I have a tendency to do a thing like I'm going to um, pick like a genre and mm -hmm. talk about literally everything ever. In that genre. <laughs> yeah. uh, or like, for instance, right now um, it might be coming out the week of this episode, or if, it, if mm -hmm. it's not out yet, it's going to come out soon. The current video I'm working on might be the longest video I've ever made. Right. As in the Zack Snyder one was the longest. And this one <laughs> might, might be longer. Yeah. This video, and I had this idea, like I think during like lockdown in 2020. Uh, so I've been sitting on it for a while. Uh, the video is called "What Is the Most 80s Movie Ever Made?" Yeah. Uh, where I, I really, but but this is a video that requires me studying all everything <laughs> about America in the 1980s, from politics to cultural trends to how like economic policies were impacted the culture and then were reflected in cinema to like aesthetics and music and everything. And then uh, figuring out like what are movies that like represent most of the, of what was happening at the time. And then trying to figure like to narrow it down to what is the yeah. one movie that represents everything happening at the time more than any other. But, but this video also basically just tends like has ended up being, Oh, like a, like a long like lecture on right. just an entire decade of American cinema. Right. And, uh, and I'm like this accent, like this could have been, I'm not going to do this cause, uh, <laughs> I, I just don't want to, but like, this could have just been a book. I could yeah, have right. written a book that is just, and I mean, there are books on this already, but that are just are about like eighties American cinema. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm just like, yeah, like, even though I'm treating the video kind of as like a weird game show, uh, a game show where I have like, you know, categories that I grade the movies on with like a point system. Cause that's the only way to, to, to figure out a winner. Um, mm -hmm. it is also, despite the silly conceit of it, like st still kind of an inherently educational thing, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, that's just a, a weird byproduct of me just trying to figure out things to talk about that I'm interested in. It's so cool to me because like I don't follow many like critique channels, but like stuff like that, that kind of analysis stuff is like so valuable to me. And like the fact that you put so much like research and effort into it. And like and so like I am one of those subscribers that I'll just watch any of it because I know it's going to be it's going to be interesting to me. And so it, it, it amazes me that you've sort of wandered into that by somewhat accident and 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 i'm so happy that you've found success with it and that you're continuing to be able to just do what you want and i'm happy that it's like it's been fulfilling for you it's so fucking cool thank you i i i should mention that uh one thing that's helped along the way is as the like videos have done better and the channel has done better uh i have been able to like you know be like hiring more people yeah. on to like i'm not doing everything myself like yeah, i yeah, i yeah. have a researcher like For i sure. have an ed, like a co-editor i have a composer i have mm -hmm. i have writers who uh who like you know write the the narrative sections of the videos if i were mm -hmm. trying to do this all alone <laughs> if i were trying to do it like make like this video 
all by myself, I would die. And yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would either yeah. die or the video would take like four months to get made. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got your class on Nebula. Um, so that is a very explicit turn into education right. and teaching do you want to do more of that where we're talking about the sort of accidental educational sort of nature of some of the stuff that you're doing that of course is very purposefully so do you want to do more of that do you see yourself going and being a professor at some point way are, down are you the planned line? out super far yeah, ahead where yeah like what's go? what's your 10-year plan patrick oh no okay. no no <laughs> but is I, there I, one <laughs> i mean i can ask you guys the same thing it's really easy to do like in industries like you know comics are are like film when uh when you have to like everything depends on hoping the right people uh meet you and like green light your stuff it's like you can't you can't give a 10-year plan for sure i I can say my five my 10-year plan is like oh yeah so tomorrow uh steven spielberg happens to watch uh (laughs) you know one of my videos and uh and then he'll be like you know this guy's pretty good let's give him a development deal and um and then once that happens yeah, mm-hmm. then I think I'll have like a feature out in like 2024. I don't know. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, so <laughs> it's a good plan. Good plan. Yeah, great, great plan. Um, I, I mean, no. As, as far as that, I mean, I do. There's a there's a short film that I'm writing now that we have a budget commitment for. That is gonna. Ha- I'll just say it has a bigger budget than my feature film did, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like a 10 minute short, um, which is great for me because uh, it makes things a little bit easier. But mm-hmm. that's gonna like shoot early next year uh so that's cool but um but as far as the education stuff goes like i have this class on nebula uh on how to make a movie and i mean that came up because they launched a thing called nebula classes kind of like a master class type thing where but with like us you know video creators and uh and i mean the it was just like a good opportunity they're they're like hey yeah we'll 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 pay you to make the class and then you can promote it in your yeah. videos and then mm-hmm. when people watch it you make more money and yeah. so i was just like cool uh yeah. great deal yes um and it's funny because uh just a co- earlier earlier this or actually it's december 1st now um uh it, in november um i had this funny experience where the hawaii international film festival brought me out to hawaii to do a talk to like a group of uh like college students about how to make a career making video essays online mm-hmm. uh which was wild because it's the first time i've ever been like brought anywhere to do any kind of talk <laughs> and i was like mm-hmm. damn hawaii is th- everything else is gonna suck if this ever happens again because you're not gonna measure up to hawaii. you're right <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because then I, I was like oh i gotta i've gotta write a 90 minute talk uh mm-hmm. to do about about all like it, it, again it, it like it, it felt more educationally than i yeah you know ever imagined and um and that said like even though teaching is like uh related to what i do and th- th- there's connection there's like overlap there at all uh mm-hmm. I, mean, th- I mean there's overlap uh you know uh with that they're 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 similar. I have like a, you know, an online class. It's not actually something that I have any real interest in. I mean, someone wants to give me like a, I don't know, an honorary doctorate. I'll totally <laughs> accept it. Um, uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, mm-hmm. but I, but no, I mean like not, not to sound like a selfish asshole, but, I, but I am the target audience for everything I'm making. 
I'm mm. never thinking like, oh, this 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 could help other people. This could people could learn stuff from this. I'm always just thinking, I don't know, what what what's the shit that like I would be staying up all night just like going down a research rabbit hole like reading about anyway even right. if I wasn't making videos and then I would just like yell at my friends about all the stuff <laughs> I learned and my weird takes about about yeah. like I don't know like gosh this 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 like weird trend in like late 80s cinema uh like yeah, yeah um I'm just doing this to entertain myself and yeah. I'm just really happy and grateful that people actually right. watch them because uh, yeah, this is this is just for me. That's awesome, as it should be. I think um, I have one final question before. But we there's going to be two because I also have one final question. You fuck. All right, you do <laughs> yours. You I'll do answer both. No, I want mine to be the the final final question. Mine is like a silly, not really a question ending beat that I'd already right. known ahead of time. I was going. I love to do. when it ends on me. It's like it's I get the final spotlight. Uh, Okay. All right. Fine. Here's my last question for you, Patrick. Yes. You've moved so far away from your initial dream of wanting to be a comic book artist as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, but you're still you're still in the world of comics, and obviously we're very intertwined in the world of comics. So I got to ask you, if an editor ever came to you at some point and asked you this, what would be your answer? Is there a script for a book in you? I don't think so. Interesting. All right. Because here's the thing, I uh, I find writing to be a deeply unpleasant experience it is uh, <laughs> i i yeah. noticed i'd taken note that like on your on the on the narrative stuff you're not the writer uh mm. you're just the director here's on, the thing on, i love um, like breaking stories oh, and yeah. doing the structure and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh and i i do like like we have multiple meetings uh where i'm very involved in like yeah like you know, figuring out the narrative stuff. It's the same thing like like on Night of the Coconut. I have a story credit. I don't have a screenplay credit. Mm-hmm. I still do like the final polish of the script. I do right. like I do like, you know, go through like like all the I do like a dialogue pass on all of that. Mm-hmm. But like the actual like sitting there with the blank page and like creating the script, uh, I do, I don't like really like it very much. I like I'll do it because I have to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I can like like co-write the story, have mm-hmm. a better writer than me do the initial drafts of the script and then I come in and just do like the final polish, that's my ideal way to work. And it's the thing where like when it comes to comics, uh, like, like, like I write so that I can have a thing to direct. Right. The actual mm-hmm. writing part is not like, it's not what I'm passionate about. It's not what I would ever want people to hire me for. Right, and right. so with comics, I'm just like, I don't know, like the artist has all like, gets to do all the fun stuff. That <laughs> I wish I could do. Like, uh, That's fascinating. I, I, I've, I've, I have really thought about this before, especially during like, like a Comic-Con week when I'm talking yeah. to people who, who work in comics. And yeah. I'm just like, no, I don't think like, here's the thing. I have read, I think more Batman comics than any other like characters <laughs> comics in my lifetime. Yeah. Batman was like, I turned out this way because when I was four years old, my parents showed me the 1966 Batman movie and it, it just led to all of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the root of, of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I don't, I don't have like a great pitch for a Batman story. I yeah. would 
like dream dream project direct a batman movie great mm-hmm. uh i mean i mean my my big pitch is uh like i want to do a batman beyond movie oh um, shit oh shit we'll, we'll have to hear the batman beyond pitch after this oh yeah it's uh but but like but i don't but you'd think if i really was interested in writing i would have like oh my batman story that i want to sure. tell oh if i got to do a run on that mm-hmm. book what i would do i don't Okay. I don't have it. I just want to read it forever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's fascinating. Honestly, I mean, I love it's... I love writing more than anything in the world, but it is fucking painful. <laughs> it's really fucking oh yeah, it's... yeah, yeah. We we were talking about this just last night with Matthew Rosenberg, and we were saying that you know we used to have like our jobs in retail that were terrible and stressful, and you know we hated for so many reasons, and then we happen to be able to be doing what we love the most in creating comic books um and it is so much more stressful (laughs) it is because we (laughs) we give a shit and uh and are very passionate about it and that is exhausting Um, just every every now and then it's like oh man if I were just doing target inventory this morning. <laughs> Dude, if I could just show up and put my fucking time in and get the paycheck, whew, yeah. that sounds nice sometimes. But uh, but also, I guess know. that's an asshole thing to say. It's fucking amazing. But Ugh, God, I hate that I get to do what I love. <laughs> um, I, I mean, okay. But then you reach those beautiful points where it's like you go through all the misery and then like, oh, and the thing is done. <sighs> and oh, then it's yes. like, oh, I can look yes. at it and then like take a break for, I don't know, a day Mm -hmm. uh but like it's (laughs) creating i mean you know it's like uh to use an analogy that i'm really in no position to use (laughs) but i'm going to anyway Mm -hmm. um from what i hear it's Mm -hmm. like uh giving birth to a child Uh in that uh the process uh painful unpleasant Mm -hmm often takes far longer than you think it's going to then you know immediately uh uh you know you don't even want to think about having to go through it all over again mm-hmm. but then you know once it, w- once it's out there it's uh you know you're like ah it was all worth it look at this beautiful thing that i have i'm willing to be the authority on that i'll say it's exactly like giving birth yeah <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank we, you. And we've, we've, yeah. we've, uh, we don't even need to get into the, the, the extremely existential quality of it. Of it's like this is a thing that existed in my mind, and it wasn't real. It was like a nebulous thought I had, and now we have an artist drawing it after it's spent years gestating in our minds, and now it's a real thing being interpreted mm-hmm. by somebody else. So, in that specific fashion, like when you're writing for a visual medium that somebody else is going to to you know sort of help shepherd of course it's super bizarre um and also yes like to to be clear uh we can get into the we can spend a ton of time on the existential stuff once i when i like when i come back on like a future episode then we can get we we, we can have long talks about like hating your work and and stuff like that (laughs) yeah yeah wondering why something came out i would fucking love that yeah oh yeah we'll get it done after after the short can you say is the short just related to this season's no no it it is is a a new uh it is it is fully unrelated i i think uh any future like narrative film projects i do whether short films or feature films are are, they're gonna have no connection to like like the videos themselves it's uh here's the thing 
I made a feature length film, which is mm-hmm. cool. Uh, it is a cool thing to have on a resume. I made maybe the least accessible feature film <laughs> ever made a feature film that is like a tiny micro budget thing that basically requires as much homework as like a current Marvel movie does to mm-hmm. understand it. Um, yeah. So uh, it's not a thing that I can hand to people and be like, here, hire me uh, to, to, to direct things. Look what I made. People will see that and be like, what is this? Well, yeah. I, well, I don't understand anything. So, uh, so yeah, uh, tr- thinking strategically for like the first time in my life, <laughs> I, I was like, maybe the next things I make should, you know, should be things that I could actually hand to someone who doesn't know who I am and make, have it make sense to them. But okay, okay. Final question. Here we go. We're wrapping up our time here with the wonderful Patrick Williams. My last question: um, When is the beard coming back? Is it ever coming? <sighs> oh <back>? shit! <laughs> I need to know because you were like, I was watching it all happen before my very eyes, and I was like, Jesus Christ, this man grows an incredible beard. It's incredible. True. It, it genuinely may be my my greatest skill is growing <laughs> facial hair. Um, <laughs> I, I'm so sorry to say this, but I don't think the beard is ever coming back. He's not into it. It's, um, it it was, it was very much a, like a, oh, I'm in lockdown kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It was a quarantine Mm -hmm. beard. Uh, it it, it developed into a great big bushy beard that was Mm -hmm. fun. It's a, there's, there's pros and cons to the beard. It's fun Mm -hmm. to like stroke this giant like mound of of hair coming (laughs) off of your chin um it's also a thing like it's kind of annoying when you're eating uh you know you gotta make sure you keep that the mustache part trimmed or else you can get hairs in your mouth that's no one likes that Mm -mm. and uh it's also like especially at that time if i had to go into public and like put a mask over it it felt so i looked like a moron (laughs) it was so dumb and uh and it was also a th- so and and like since I have the beard, I, I I no longer have hair on top of my head, and I've never liked the like bald but with a beard like look. I mean, it works for some people, but like I've never mm-hmm. wanted that personally. Right. And so, so yeah, I think that was just a a. It was it was a thing for it was a choice for that specific time in my life mm-hmm. and in the world, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm glad I did it but I don't have any desire to return to it. And I'm so right. sorry for all the people I'm letting down. We're ending this right. episode on some bad news, uh, but yeah, you know, I'll, I'll let bleeding cool. know. bleeding cool. breaks the sad news <laughs> yeah. to everybody. Rich Johnson's listening in right now. Um, hey, hey, he might be. Hey, uh, <laughs> uh, Rich was, was one of the first people who like shared the, the videos that I, I made. Mm-hmm. And, Rich, uh, is, Rich is great. We love Rich. I, I, um, yeah. Rich, a lovely guy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, I think that I think that That's just it. about does it. Patrick, the floor is yours. Plug whatever you'd like to plug. Where can everybody find you? Uh, so thank you so guys. Um, mm-hmm. You can watch my videos. the uh, The free way to do it is uh, at youtubecom slash Uh They're also available ad free on Nebula, a wonderful platform where you can also watch my movie Night of the Coconut. It's about you can an get evil in there robot coconut. Get in there. You got your class on there. You've got Night of the Coconut. You've also, got, you know, you pair that with your Curiosity Stream subscription. Oh shit! Oh. I'm a big nonfiction fan. I love it. I 
<laughs> this is absurd. You've listened to an ad read or two in your day. So, sorry, sorry that I uh, I'm doing the ad read. Where I didn't mean to step in. I'm just so no, excited about the fact that you can get fifty percent off with the code. Uh, uh, yeah, if you go to curiositystream.com/slash Patrick H. Willems, you can get an annual subscription to both streaming services for only fourteen seventy nine. Uh, sorry, I, I, I literally just did an ad read uh, a couple days ago. Uh, anyway, uh, you watch my movie there and, um, uh, what, uh, oh yeah. Uh, and then I'm, I'm on social media at, uh, I mean, who, who knows how long Twitter will be around for, but I'm still mm-hmm. there at Patrick H. Willems. You're not on Hive? Oh, I am on Hive. Uh, <laughs> but th- th- like I had my day where I'm like, what? Mastodon's a thing. Okay, I guess I'll, uh-huh. I'll make an account there. Hive's a thing. Guess I'll make an account there. Uh, Substack. I don't have the energy to write a newsletter. I'll make substack.com slash Patrick Gage Willems. I just like to claim my name everywhere. Mm-hmm. I have friends who are like now like actively using Hive, mm-hmm. and I would like open it like every day for like about a week, and I was just like. Oh, starting from scratch on a whole new platform. I know. The I whole fucking like, comics world is over there. It's yeah. crazy. Gotta, I'm like, I have to build up like my whole like follow list that I, I'm just like, I, I just, no. I just, no. I don't have the energy. If Twitter goes down, I will just use social media less and it'll probably make my life better. Probably. 100%. That's where I'm at as well. I, I, I don't know. It's tricky because the comics community has like built it in as like this, this, seemingly necessary tool uh for getting your stuff out there and everything but um i don't know we'll we'll wait and see i don't know if i have like you're saying the energy to do it but on on that note uh patrick thank you so much for joining us this evening uh we can't wait for for having me this was (laughs) was and i i feel like i talked way too much uh not at all that's what you're that's what you're here for you got the voice back we had to wait uh, so then you could you could come. You just here. fucking wait for your influx of new subscribers. The 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 supple squadron is coming. <laughs> supple squadron. I, I, I'm gonna get that supple bump. The, the yeah. supple bump. That is that <laughs> is what they call it. Okay, not yeah. ours. Yeah. Is the supple boys bump or the boys it's bump. A, it's it, it's a supple mm. spike. Supple spike. That's it. Yeah, yeah. We'd be on. Probably you probably yeah. No, Green Sukun would be happy to sponsor your show, man. We could talk to him about it afterwards if you'd like. Yeah, I could bring him in here right now. You could ask him. Is he here? He's here. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's over. He's in the studio right here. Oh damn. That's I don't get that kind of like hands-on touch Green with my suit. sponsors. No, he's very specific about what we put on the show. Green suit. Patrick would like to uh, speak with you here about a sponsorship. Hey Patrick, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I would love to, you know, I don't mean to, you know, toot my own horn, but, you know, uh, we, we got a pretty decent following over here at GreensuitGoonsGreensuits.com. And, uh, yeah, we'd be honored to work with you, is what I'm that, saying. Look, um, I'll have my people reach out to your people, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully we can make this happen. You know, I might have to, like, bump, I don't know, Mubi uh, from one of the videos mm-hmm. so we can get Greensuit Goon in there. Well, I don't mean to, you know, the, the Supple Boys, I love working with the Supple Boys, but they're like a 2,000 subscriber type of thing. You, you had to mention 400 earlier. That's pretty good. Uh, I think, yeah, that I would love to bring my... And, hey, oh. green suit. It's me, brown suit goon. We got to oh, get out of here. The, men, the menu's about to start. Oh, fuck. I got to go catch Mark Millard's The Menu. I love Ray Fiennes. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah we Patrick, gotta, we gotta we'll, go. we'll be in touch. Uh, great. Okay. Later, well, Goons. Yeah, bye goons. Thank you for stopping by as always. And thank you, supple folks, for tuning in to another episode 
Of course, you know where to find us. I'm at Griff Sheridan. Ethan's at Tales to Astonish on Twitter while it lasts, like Patrick was saying. And of course, over at Substack.com, we're running things for our friends, Brian Segman and Donnie Cates at klcpress.com. Uh, we're also doing a show with Matthew Rosenberg called Ideas Don't Bleed that you can find at ashcanpress.com and on all your podcast apps. And, of course, we're working with the one and only Brian Michael Bendis at jinxworld.com that we are so excited about. And if you need some uh, some inside baseball or some general wisdom from one of the best to ever do it, you can find yes, it over there. Speaking of classes, he's doing classes over there. Oh my God, we do have a virtual masterclass with uh, right. Brian Michael Bendis, and we just had our first session co-taught by him and Takisoma. Uh, right. It was a really fun time, and we encourage everybody that is interested. If you if you think you want to make comics at all, uh, you know, I think all the subsects are providing something that is quite interesting for everybody. It's a really interesting time to be a, an upcoming creator. I think. Um, speaking as some ourselves and uh, the resources that people like Brian are providing are, um, I don't know. I, I can't even begin to describe how crazy it feels to be like on the, just like sitting there editing this video of Brian fucking just spewing all this fucking stuff that like 13, the 20, 24 year old me is like, Holy shit. And, and mm-hmm. if 13 year old me, Ethan, we're always talking about this. If, if 13 year old me knew that we could just like get this information oh, yeah. about creating comics, I think we would lose our mind as we are currently. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Patrick, thank you so much for being here. We cannot wait to have you on again. Uh, and I'm mm-hmm. sure the supple folks are excited for the follow up. Uh, the existential crisis episode, I think is what we're calling it. Yeah. Existential crisis on infinite earths, uh, <laughs> colon dark war. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So folks, you know what it is, uh, like what you like and don't be a dick. I think is, is how we end the show. Usually. Ethan. Mm-hmm. Usually. Bye. Bye.